Welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. What's up, everybody? How are we doing on this gorgeous June 6th here in Nanaimo, British Columbia? Not sure what the weather's like in your world or where you're listening from, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, June 6th, so want to give a quick shout out to my little sister, Meredith. Happy Big 4-0 today. I love you. I miss you. I wish I was there with you enjoying a cold glass of white wine, which I know you prefer on these hot summer days there in Chicago. Yeah, hope you have a great day. I love you, hon. Uh, let's see, who do we got on the show today? Chris Schneider is my guest. Good friend of mine from Sherman Oaks, California. We met back in early 2000. He was looking for a side gig as he was pursuing his acting slash writing, directing, producing <laughs> career. It's a great guy. We're going to talk a little bit about his his path to professional baseball, what it was like growing up playing in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Talk a little bit about family and life and uh, the pursuit of happiness and all that good stuff. So uh, one of the funniest guys I know. And we've had a lot of good times past 20 years playing ball together, coaching ball together, got to go to Italy with a team. And so I hope you enjoy my interview with Chris Schneider. This call is being recorded. I'll never forget uh, being there with you guys in the hospital. What was it? Was it the day that Obama was elected or the That's day right. after? Yeah, yeah. 9.30 on, uh, on the day Obama was elected. Look, I'm excited to get into this a little bit, man. I've, I've had a few practice runs now. I've got uh, 10 episodes now under my belt, so I'm ready right, for you, me. brother. Okay, I am too. I am too. I'm trying to be succinct. Yeah, there we go. The word of the day, kids. Succinct. Yes. Look it up. Uh, all right, so look, let's start uh, where I like to start all my stories from the beginning. Still love in Santa yeah, Monica. Well, you know, I've been here um, almost 50, over 15 years now, That's and nice. uh, between Venice and, and Santa Monica, and uh, yeah, you know, I love it. I mean, once we had our daughter, we kind of moved up to Santa Monica a little bit. Not to not to say Venice mm-hmm. is awesome still, but it's better, a little better place to raise a daughter. Give us a little background, man. Where were you from? How many brothers and sisters? Uh, you don't have to tell us your age, but if you want to, you can give us your yeah. birth date as well. I was uh, born in, in Knoxville. Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I got a younger sister. Uh, I just turned 50. So I'm, I'm proud to say that, man, oh, I, right. I made it, I made it yeah, Sunday, brother. last Sunday. So, mm-hmm. and, five uh, zero. so you can do the math there, you know, grew up in yeah. the, in the seventies, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, I was fortunate enough that my first coach, um, was a guy named Steve Jones. And he was a pitcher for the Royals. He won Rookie of the Year, actually. I think it was 1968 or 9, one of the two. Um, and, and I'm not – it could right. be 72. Anyway, he <laughs> he was the first guy I had. So uh, I was very fortunate to start off with somebody who really knew what they were doing. Wait, so what and are you like – how old are you then? This is me at seven, right? Okay, I guess Jesus I should step Christ. back a little bit and give my first first s- baseball. You get a former rookie of the year at as a seven year old coach. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and and I had no idea, obviously, at the time, right? Sure. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. But 
uh, it was great. So, I mean, that, that helped me to kind of get, you know, my first foot in the ground, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. on, on the right start. And, and even then, uh, I can still remember him yelling at me because I was really sidearm at that time, you know? And so I'd throw, I, you know, I dropped down and he'd be like, get your arm up, get your arm up. <laughs> uh, and, and, I t- and so I was fortunate enough to start off that way. Uh, my dad was a big influence, loved baseball, you know, uh, big Braves fans. So, uh, he was there all the time with me, always an assistant coach or, you know, a head coach and, and, um, mm-hmm. You know, I think the the highlight, though, I think of my baseball early years were it was I was a catcher. Of course, I wanted to be catcher. I was left handed. So in T-ball, I'm playing catcher. And uh, I I completely remember this whole thing. Still, I'm sitting behind the plate. Kid hits the ball into right center field. It's the typical all the kids converge onto the ball at the same time. Uh, Mm -hmm. The guy circling the bases and this guy, this guy's John Cruck back in his, you know, Phillies big boy day and mm-hmm. i see him come around third base and here comes the ball to me and i'm getting down on one knee and i catch the ball and he just plows me over man and <laughs> all, all i remember is looking over catching my breath and seeing the ball still in my glove and i'm like yeah that was when i started <laughs> wanting to play baseball i think and then, uh, but so, then, did you also at the same time say, "Yeah, and I think I'm going to pitch instead of catch"? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't because they wouldn't let me. Because I, you know, I, if I could have been a left-handed catcher, I had a catcher's bit all the way up. You know, I, it was one yeah. of those things where you you always want to do what you can't kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, that was my first experience. And then, obviously, I had a great teacher there. You know, my next couple of years, and um, and so I, you know, I I kept playing ball. I kept, I, and I was one of those kids that played football, basketball, baseball, you know, whatever season was, I was going to play it. Uh, and, uh, huge family support, sister swam, did gymnastics, that whole thing. So we're Mm -hmm. typical suburban, you know, mid seventies family. Yeah. Uh, And I was just an average baseball player, man, until, Mm. until I was 13 going into 14. And so, um, yeah, if what changed on that path, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I reflect back on that, and and I think it's a couple of things. It's just one of those things where, and and I have to kind of follow this pattern myself today. It's where, you know, you pay, you play, or you do something for about five or six years, and it's almost like that. um, You know, um, was it thousand hours of? Oh sure, Gladwell. Yeah, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, And maybe it was just one of those instances where you know all those hours finally came together. I was growing, obviously. I was you know thirteen, fourteen, and then I came across a guy named Bob Kellett, who was a very influential guy as well. So I mean, I had these guys along; they're big markers. And he was a guy. He played college ball at Furman uh, University. um, Mm -hmm. Was a third baseman and a pitcher. Uh, just ate, drank, and slept baseball. Still does. I mean, he's he's probably mm-hmm. I can't remember what he is now. He's probably seventy something. But mm-hmm. um, so he was a big influence in showing me how to not just throw the ball, but how to pitch. Right. Gotcha. So at, at this point, uh, I got to thirteen, fourteen, and finally I was getting strong. I had a really strong lower body, uh, but I didn't have a great arm. You know, here I am, uh, and, and I don't know if you still want me to go down this path, but sure. uh, I can just keep yeah. going down. So I'm, I'm 13, 14. I, I go into high school in, in my freshman year and I make the JV team just because I can throw the ball pretty hard, but not really. I mean, I just can throw around the plate mm-hmm. and I'm left-handed. So of course everybody says left-handed pitcher, you know, and so mm-hmm. a lot of attention. Um, my freshman year did a pretty decent JV uh, season. And then that summer uh, I, I, Bob Kellett called me to play for the American Legion team there locally. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, played American Legion ball. And that summer, he really was able to shape me and have me understand all the different coaches, all the different techniques and all the different manners of, of pitching and, mm-hmm. and be able to kind of focus me into learning how to kind of tone hone that into not just throwing, but pitching. So, sure. you know, after that summer, uh, things started really clicking in. And then, you know, I, you know, sophomore year, I made the varsity and then, you know, I was a starting pitcher then. Uh, and then junior year, you know, well, sophomore summer went back and played American Legion ball again. Uh, you know, and that was just a great, great, uh, experience because you're playing different high schools from all, you know, all over the town, all in one team and all usually just the best players. And so really competitive around where we grew up. Uh, and then went back junior year, really started doing well. Uh, you know, had a pretty decent team. We went into the playoffs senior year. I came into my senior year and I was just, you know, I, I, it was, it was just that cocky kid, man. You just come on and, and stand up in the box against me. I'm going to just throw it by you. Even if I throw 80 miles an hour, cause I'm going to just sure. intimidate the shit out of you. So uh, when did you, let me jump in real quick. When yeah, did sure. you, uh, when did you change physically? You know, uh, you know, you're a tall guy, six, six, four, right? Yeah. Six, four. Uh, so did and- you, were you one of those kids at 12 years old that just towered over everybody or were you a late bloomer? I was kind of in between. I was kind of that chubby kid who was kind of tall, but not taller than everybody. You know, uh-huh. I, I was kind of taller than everybody, but never mm-hmm. noticeably. Uh, right. and then I would say, yeah, about my sophomore to junior, junior to senior year, I kind of really, you know, kind of hit a two or three inch growth spurt. Started to stretch uh, out a little bit. Yeah, started to stretch out. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, I remember after my senior year going into my freshman year at, at junior college, uh, I grew again. And so mm-hmm. uh, I hit six, four about my freshman year in college. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and then that's where, you know, I just, at that point, you know, I, and I look back at it now that, you know, the first 20 years of my life, I was just running dumb, you know? So I was just going out there, you know, I, I cocky, you know, full of ego. Let me just give me the ball. I got a great uh, motion. I got good mechanics. Uh, and I'm just going to fight. You know, I was never the guy who threw the ball 90 miles an hour. I was never the guy that had the crazy curveball. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just had a, a tenacity, I guess. Uh, so I did really well my senior year and I had a couple offers to go to different places. And I ended up um, settling with uh, not settling. I guess I, I should say I had, a, I had a great time going to Spartanburg Methodist Junior College, which is a, a, mm-hmm. a junior college in, in South Carolina. Um, loaded with talent. Uh, my freshman year, we went, um, we went to the sectionals and then my sophomore year, we actually were second in the nation for most of the year. And, wow. uh, I was just on a, on a team of just really, you know, solid guys, Reggie Sanders. I was uh, just going to say, is that where, yeah. met, is that where Sanders was on that team? Yeah, Reggie yeah. Sanders was there and a uh, great story about him. I mean, our coach, Lon Joyce, who I don't, I haven't kept up with, with coach Joyce, but uh, he was a scout with the Dodgers and was doing quite well for, for a while. I haven't kept up with him, but that guy has the most amazing eye for talent. And I'll tell you a real quick story about Reggie Sanders, but he was uh, our coach drove a Pinto uh, and he would drive it everywhere. And so he drove it down to Florence, South Carolina, sat down and watched Reggie Sanders for a game. And here's this kid. And if you ever seen Reggie Sanders, go back and look for him. Uh, if you don't know who he is, younger kids, uh, just chiseled out of stone at about 6'2", probably 195. The fastest human being I've ever seen in my life without even trying. Doesn't stretch, doesn't have to work out. He just is this one of these athletes that are just born. 
and and you, you may know or some of those people like that, but uh, they, the coach down there had him at first base. So uh, Coach Joyce saw him immediately, said, hey, I want to sign you right there, signs him, brings him up, and uh, puts him at shortstop, which was even worse because Reggie you know, just didn't have any game behind him. He didn't have game experience. Um, but you can tell immediately this guy was just gold. And so freshman year, he does great, has a great year. Can't throw the ball to first base to save his life. But, you know, Jack's like 25 home runs. I wish I could go back and look at his stats. But it just an incredible year, fast as hell, so, stole crazy amount of bases. Sophomore year, comes back, has an even better year, and signs with the – he didn't start off with the – I think he signed with the Reds, second round maybe. And – um you know, they put him in the outfield where he should have been. But here's a, there's a, there's a, the, an example where this guy within three years was, you know, a, a top major league prospect just because one of the coaches or scouts who went down and saw him, saw him his you know, diamond in the rough. And, and, and crazy enough, the guy had him at first base. So long story short, Reggie was on the team. He did great. Our whole team was full of guys like that, that, you know, and you know how baseball goes, you know, one guy out of 25 makes it or something, but uh, just a great experience. We all got food poisoning in our championship game uh, before we went to the national championship. And so uh, we ended up with nine players that had to win a doubleheader. And so we won the first game, lost the second game, like five to three. Uh, I pitched like 16 innings or some ridiculous number. Uh, so long, long story shorter, uh, <laughs> longer, <laughs> we move over to uh, I go to Tennessee after after um, junior college and play there for two years. Um and, and a lot of stories there, a lot of learning lessons there. Uh, Mark Connor, with Yankees coach, came in and and decided, hey, I'm going I'm to stop being a Yankees pitching coach. I'm going to come in. I'm going to coach you guys. I'm back to where I grew up. He's from Knoxville. Uh, brought all these staff in. Brought Fetty Gonzalez. But I don't know if you remember, you know, the, the Atlanta Braves uh, manager was catching coach for us uh, and bench coach. So uh, long story short, he comes in our junior year, says, I'm going to build a stadium. I come up there and say, great, let's do it. I go there my junior year. We don't get a stadium. And uh, he leaves after my junior year. So they bring in Rod Delmonico. He brings in a whole new staff with him. And so I pitched my senior year and, and, and uh, you know, didn't do great, uh, but rallied at the end of the year. Uh, had a really good game against Ole Miss at the last game of the year. And uh, that summer um, was convinced to go to a Braves tryout. Uh, I was pretty pretty much done with my career, but uh, I went to the tryout. Uh, the scout liked me enough, gave me a free agent contract. Uh, I went to play rookie ball, ended up like third in the league in ERA. Um, great experience. Uh, they sent me to fall ball uh, down at West Palm Beach at that time. And believe it or not, at this time, you, you would actually – we were splitting time with the Expos. So we shared this complex with the Montreal Expos. That's old school. Uh, and so uh, went down there for fall league. I, I, I had a great experience. I felt like I did really well. Uh, you know, I, I remember the first day getting out there and uh, the first time we took kind of infield practice, they had pitchers out there and there I'm, I'm on the pitcher's mound and, and, and you know, a shortstop is Chipper Jones. And, uh, you know, it was just a, a great experience. Uh, went back spring training, got to do some, you know, pitchers fungo. I mean, uh, pitchers fielding with, uh, you know, the guys that were there at the time, Avery, and uh and glavin and so um got cut soon after that i had a friend of mine who um played in holland the year before so on my way out he asked me if i was interested and at the time i said "Eh, 
you know, I don't know. I was pretty bummed out. So uh, long story short, he, I called him up, said, yeah, let's do this. Uh, I talked to the guy in Holland about three weeks later, if not even sooner. Uh, I was on a plane, and uh, next thing I knew, I was playing baseball in Eindhoven. Uh, it's about an hour and a half south of Holland. I mean, south of Amsterdam. You're playing a little honk ball over in, in Holland. Yes, honk ball. Yeah. Honk ball. Yeah. So I, I, are we, are we back rolling or do you want to keep yeah, going? We're rolling. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm on a train. I mean, I fly into Amsterdam and here I am like this 23 year old, just dumb American. I couldn't be any more stereotypical American yeah. dude. And, yeah. you know, tank top rolling in the, rolling down to Amsterdam. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I go, I get to Eindhoven, like I said, it's about an hour and a half south of uh, Amsterdam and uh, it's owned by the Phillips corporation. So all the baseball is owned by corporations, all the sports are owned mm-hmm. by corporations. And so Phillips has a team, they have a great mm-hmm. soccer team, but they also have a baseball team. Uh, they have two leagues over there. The premier league is, you know, uh, you know, pretty high caliber baseball for what it was. I mean, this was 25 years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they have a secondary league, which is um, not so great, you know, kind of junior college baseball. But each year, as, as Europe does uh, in all their sports, it seems, you know, if you're in the top two in the bottom league, you get a chance to play up and, and move into the top league mm-hmm. and vice versa. If you're in the top league and you do horrible in your bottom two, you've got to play to stay in the top league. So that was a pretty cool thing to go for. And this team had historically been in the top league and had been booted down to the bottom league. And so it was a nice, like an incentive to do it. Uh, long story short, we didn't, uh, but it was, it was fun to see how they had it set up over there. And, you know, at the time it was, a, it was a weird combination and, and, you know, you know, looking back at it now, you know, a lot of a lack of self-awareness, but you know, at the time you're 23, 24, I can't remember exactly that old it was. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so baseball was good. It wasn't great, but the, the lifestyle over there and kind of me being able to take some time and kind of spin down a little bit uh, really changed my life for, for on the whole, really. Yeah. So you and I meet in 2000, right around there, I think 99, 2001, something like yeah, that. 2001. Um, yeah. Yeah. You had just moved out to California. How'd you find me again in, in Sherman Oaks? How did that come about? Uh, wow. Let me dial back the hard drive. Where did you uh, find? Did you find? No, you know what? Yeah, Glenn? I was Glenn. Glenn. Okay. I went initially to Burbank uh, to West Coast Baseball, and I don't even know how. How did I get there? Yeah. Um, Looking to do some lessons or something? Yeah, well, because I did that when I was in Atlanta. Because I was in Atlanta for about ten years before I moved out here, and that's where I really started. Uh, um, doing the lessons because that would be my day job. I'd go in and I would. Uh, I would coach kids and then I'd go out to auditions and stuff like that in Atlanta before I got out here. And so I came out here and I don't know how I got into lessons, but I, I, I probably researched to some degree back then. It was like, pick up the phone and call somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, go, go hang out at the batting cages. Hey yeah. kid, Hey kid, you need to take your teacher. <laughs> right. You would pull out the white pages. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, we, I went to, I, I, I met Glenn and I started doing lessons there and I met him and, and Darius and, uh, and I think he taught, I think he, he sent me over to you because they were two, there was yeah. two guys there already and they just didn't have a whole lot of room for me, but you know, good dudes hung out, mm-hmm. you know, learn some stuff, how to do it here in California. I mean, you're 24 seven, you get to, you know, there's no, there's no rain or anything like that. You just get out there and do it. Uh, and so it came over to you and, and the next thing you know, we're, we're, you know, that's thick, it. thick as thieves. Yeah, that's right. Cause I remember 
I think Glenn like gave me a call or something. He's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm sending a guy over to you, uh, looking to do some lessons. Seems like a cool dude. You know, he'll, he'll be giving you a call. And then, yeah. And then you, you just like showed up one day or you called yeah. me and, yeah. and we started doing it. That's right. That's right. And, and you were, were you, you were living in the Valley then though, right? Or were you over in Santa Monica already? Where were you? No, I was, uh, I was in Hollywood for a really short time. And then I was kind of, no, I know where I was. I was on, I was in Coldwater Canyon. A mm. friend of a friend had a, had a place, a room with the, you know, bathroom, total LA story, uh, yeah. you know, go and stay there. So I was there for a couple of years. And uh, I think that's when I first started teaching over there. So it was, it was easy. It was just, you're up yeah. on top of the mountain, you roll down the mountain and you're in there. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of got started with you. And then we just kind of kept doing stuff, you know, off mm-hmm. the field and on the field, however you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and good times, man. And then we decided that we weren't done playing and we uh, yep. joined that men's league and yep. went out and hurt ourselves. And- Absolutely. Glory <laughs> days just kept calling, <laughs> as they that always do. Yeah, the Black Sox. That was Black Sox. Yeah. yeah that's, what a great name. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. And then, so, okay, so then you moved over to Cal or to California, to, to Santa Monica. You yep. started doing the auditions and yep. you were doing more of that. You were coming, yep. doing some lessons and, and working the camps in the summertime and all of that while still uh, doing the accounting stuff, right? And maintaining. Yeah, got to have the day that. job, man. Yeah, crazy. crazy yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that started. Uh, I moved to Venice in 2003. Uh, and I remember that was crazy. I, I right almost in the middle of you know Cracktown, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was an eye opener. That was that was a uh, country boy moving to the city. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was more like suburban white kid who never had to cross the other side of the street uh, <laughs> into crazy town. Yeah. Uh, I remember helicopters, you know, being right above the places next to me and, and a guy was standing up there. He's got a you know gun in his hand. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, long story short, I, you know, I, I always had a business degree, so I always used the accounting as like my day job. And so I would do that. I would come over there and teach some lessons. I would start going to auditions. But I, I really came about this city wrong in terms of uh, acting mm-hmm. and, and how to go about it. But um yeah, at the same time, I was still wanting to coach. You know, that, that's always in me, and I think it's always mm. going to stay in me to a degree. I know what I wanted to ask you. I don't think I've ever asked you this. When you got done playing uh, pro ball, and then even when you went over to to Holland and came back, did it ever cross your mind to get into pro ball as a coach? Like to maybe contact the Braves and try to get in at the ground level there as a pitching coach or anything? Right. Good question. And and obviously now you know, and and, and just to 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 throw some uh backstory in there i just turned 50 yeah. so i that that i've been leading up to that number for a while and so mm-hmm. a lot of time for reflection a lot of time of like what you know what ifs and, and kind of uh reworking the script and stuff so uh yeah you know at that point i was at such a bad place with baseball you know i, I had been heartbroken yeah. you know uh it, it was a combination of me not having quite the the physical ability to to, to break into a, I didn't have a great breaking ball and that was it. And so I didn't really get into the, you know, the, the physical part was easy to fix, but the mental part, I was just broken. So, mm-hmm. uh, by the time I got back, I was like, man, I, I don't want to be around baseball. It's like, you know, it was that girlfriend thing, break up. You just want to be way away. And, uh, gotcha. 
And so, yeah, as, as the time went by, yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, what if I did this or what if I did that? And, and, and I think at this point in my life, as I look back on it, I think that's probably the only level I'd be happy with coaching. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as I've coached the little guys and I've coached the middle school kids and I've coached the high school kids and I've coached a few college dudes, uh, you know, I think that level at college and above anymore, I think is about all I can really, um, maintain for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's, it's difficult to go back and forth. I'm, I go through it constantly, but yeah, you know, but, yeah. ha- having the, the versatility is what gets me the next job, right. because especially where I'm at now with, with development. And, you know, people see that on the resume that you've got experience all the way up the chain, but yeah, that's great. And you've been you doing know, it for a year. Like, you know, you've been doing, yeah, you got 20, 25 years of experience. It's crazy. Right. It's yeah. crazy. I talked to a guy uh, when I was in the Dominican back when I was scouting with MLB and they were bringing a guy in and um you know well-respected baseball guy been around for a long time and we were having a chat in the elevator on our way down to go to lunch and i said it was just kind of hey how's it going you know nice to meet you and and um i said so you know what's it like you know doing this after coming out of player development you know with the mariners and he was doing you know i did a bunch of stuff managed at the minor league level and he just before i could even like get into any questions he's like i don't do grassroots (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I go. I go. What? I was like, you're like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't work. I don't work with kids. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I. I wasn't gonna say anything about that, but I just <laughs> was kind of, you know. But it was just funny because you know he was in his mid sixties and okay, and uh, you know, little little yeah. grumpy, little little uh, right. grou- grouchy on the whole thing and. And I been remember there, done that. Doesn't want to do it again. Yeah, I don't even know if he'd been there, done that. I oh, just really? Think, yeah, okay. I don't know. I think he just went straight from you know from playing <laughs> ball to coaching pro ball and never right. never went back. I think he might have coached in high school or something. But anyway, yeah, that's understandable. Uh, and uh, but I just remember thinking at the time, like, well, damn, dude, that's where it all starts. You know, these kids got to start somewhere. You know, and a guy like you could really help at the grassroots level. But now I get it. You know, yeah. now now like you know six seven years later since I met that guy, I'm sitting there going. You know, there's days where I think about the same thing. Like, I just, I don't have the yeah. patience anymore. And so I can well, imagine. Yeah, I'm coaching right now. I'm coaching, uh, I'm coaching two teams. Well, I'm really, I'm not, I can't call it coaching. They're, they're calling me in when they need me to come coach some pitching. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm doing that with two different levels. One of them is just a Santa Monica Little League. Okay. And they're they're uh, the 10 and 11 year olds. So they're one year past the first year kid pitch. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group of like all-star kids from Manhattan Beach. Um, and I don't know, man, I, I think, I think what's missing are the fundamentals that are not being taught at a very basic level. And I reached out to both, not the Manhattan beach. I I reached out to Santa Monica little league and just asked to do a free clinic because, you know, that part of me is still alive in that. I want to go out and just show parents at the youngest age Mm -hmm. and coaches at the youngest age, you know, these are your fundamentals. Let's start right here. And if we can all start from, uh, uh, you know, the same point, then, you know, we're not talking two different languages when you're coming in here, teaching him, you know, five, six years worth of stuff. That's not right. Uh, Yeah. And the kid hasn't adjusted to it. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, Eureka moments that keep you out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I love seeing a little kid, you know, like there's a little girl on one of the teams and she loves to pitch and she's great at it and she didn't even know it. And so she got up there and did her thing and she was like, this is it. And I'm like, sweet. So, yeah. you know, I talked to the coach last week and he's like, yeah, she got to pitch a little bit and she was great. And, and, and so that, that, that makes me feel great. And it makes me want to still, still stay out there with the little kids. Personally, I feel like the, you know, the older kids are a little bit more fun now because I like to see kids go out there and compete at a high level. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting, you know, and then, then the older they get, there's this, that phase where, uh, you know, they become teenagers and they think they know it all and they got it all figured out. You know, it's not just baseball, it's life, right? I mean, parents parents say the same thing at home, you know, you can't tell them anything because, and I remember it, man, I was the same way. I I totally, I totally get it. But, uh, that's kind of frustrating because that's when they're at that point where, God, if you would just, you know, listen to what we're talking and trying to teach you, you know, whether it's me, you, their other coaches, you know, all their coaches, it's just, um, but you know, unfortunately we don't learn that until later in life when we, you know, mature and realize that, uh, you know, someone was trying to help us and not, you know, telling us what to do. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And it's just like a blessing and a curse, man. It's like, it is, it is, which I think that's a lot of, you know, the reason why the, the game just starts to, you know, leave these kids at 13, 14, 15, you know, all those other things come in. I mean, think about how, right. you know, influenced you were at those ages with, you know, music right. and, you know, the opposite sex and dating and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And now it's just, it's just nuts. And, and kids, you know, they can get everything they want at their fingertips. You can't, you can't bullshit them anymore. You know, you can't, no, you, you can't no. give them the old, you know, uh, this is what's going on. And they're like, Oh really? And then they go Google it. Yeah. They Google Twitter. No, no, that's right here. You don't, know what, you don't know what you're talking about, old man. You know, it's like, well, shit. Okay. Well, I was trying to teach you something and that wasn't the way I should have done it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty exactly. nuts. So, so you're still coaching, you got, you still got your foot in the door with some stuff. That's awesome. And you got a nine year old daughter now, right? Yeah, yeah. Is, and, is she into baseball or is she softball or soccer? Know, she, or went what? Out, she went out last year with me when I was coaching more of a you know full part time full part time coach. But uh, you know I was doing that last year with with the team, and uh, she started out doing um, Batgirl, and uh, that that grew into taking balls in the outfield, and then you know uh, she had fun with it, but she, at the end of the day, it was not her thing. And so she's found ice skating and now it is like I was with baseball. And so she's saved up all her money. She's buying herself some skates tomorrow and, uh, the whole deal, man. She's, she's all in. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That, that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so you're going to be, you're going to be a figure skating parent. Yes. Looks like. <laughs> yeah. Four o'clock in the morning, you know, sitting yeah, in, the, in, in the ice rink. Going to Russia for tournaments. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> for, uh, bad coffee. Yeah. The whole thing. Uh, oh, feeling like an outsider. I mean, it, it's the, it's the last sport I would ever picture me. Yeah. You know, what do you, but, what do you mean? 8.2. That was a total 8.9. Right. Yes. I'm going over the top road. You're rushing judge uh, elbow to the head <laughs> what oh that is so funny man what a tough yeah. what a tough sport that and gymnastics those oh, are the, the two yeah. tough ones for you know when you look at that i mean you're down I to mean, a every single move point. yes everything every single move means something and, and that's gonna be <laughs> tough man. i have to watch that oh, so anyway it looks like we're in there yeah well what's okay jumping around here what's going on with the acting stuff i know you've been banging away on the keyboard i've uh had a chance uh-huh. to read a couple of drafts of a script that you got going and are you still going on auditions are you still doing the yeah it, still doing the, the thing man you know it's yeah. I'm, I'm older now so it's not the you know the two or three times a day thing and and, and really kind of advertising changed in, in, a, in a big way and yeah and uh the the number of auditions and even the number of union versus non-union spots has changed significantly. So long story short, you know, I, I, I've got, a, I, I've got two spots out right now for BMW and uh, universal studios uh, parks, theme parks, mm-hmm. but it's, in both those spots, if you don't freeze frame it on like second 13, 
uh, of the 30 second spot, you're going to miss me, <laughs> uh, which is funny because, you know, you, you go through this business and like I did a spot before that where I'm like the guy with the burrito truck and I'm handing out things and it's for a pharmaceutical and you, you see me for like 60 seconds. I got paid the same thing as the guy as the dad in the universal spot who was on for half a second. Uh, so it's a, it's a funny business, but yeah, I'm still doing that. Not nearly as much, uh, but still pursuing it. You know, when they send me out there, mm-hmm. uh, I've moved in from being the, the hot you know dad to the, the regular dad who's got a beer gut and kind of gray hair now. <laughs> Soon so it'll be grandpa. <laughs> it's, it's humbling. dude. It's humbling. You know, they're, they're, they're asking me to put gray in my hair. So I look a little older now. Cause you know, I look good for 50, but not for 40. So it's one of those yeah. really kind of humbling moving on to a different era type of thing, but we'll see where yeah. it goes. I mean, I've been doing it now 25 years. And, and yeah. so it's been from, you know, spokesperson to the guy in the background, to the guy, I, you know, at the front and who, who, yeah. who I'll just keep doing it until I, I can't, That's right. uh, it just all goes into my pension at this point. So, <laughs> That's uh, right. so yeah, I've been riding like crazy. That's my goal. I mean, it, it is the thing I'm chipping away at the salt mines. Every time I get a free moment, uh, still doing the accounting thing. I have a steady job. I've been doing some consulting, you know, both accounting and operations and, and, and management down in uh, El Segundo for about two and a half years now. So mm-hmm. uh, just juggling that, that train uh i've got the it's a baseball comedy dramedy uh set you know in holland eventually mm-hmm. and uh it's kind of bull durham goes to holland and right. rookie the rookie meets uh well yeah <laughs> bull durham uh in holland uh and so it's, you know, it's a fun script. I know people have liked the beginning of it. It did kind of well at the uh, Austin Film Festival. Uh, I've talked to the guy who, uh, or talked to a couple of people. I won't say who, but I, it's, it's not the name thing. It sounds awful, but I'm just, I can't yeah. say their names. But I, anyway, they've, they've heard the pitch. They're waiting for me to finish the draft. All I'm doing is writing. So when I get finished with you, yeah. uh, I'm going to be writing a couple hours trying to, I'm about two thirds through a rewrite. So nice. uh, yeah. Is it um, is this going to be a uh, rookie rating like PG thirteen Disney or is this a rated R Bull Durham uh, you know <laughs> hookers and blow yeah, in, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know in the baseball you know, world <laughs> I think I've set out a pattern for it to be more PG thirteen and, and, and I only do that because now you know when I first wrote it it was R oh my god this was a long time ago yeah. right? when I first came up with the idea I was a single guy. I'm, you know, I'm doing whatever I'm doing and, you know, it felt much more R rated and much more uh, at home with that. But now as I've gotten to be a dad, you know, I, I see like, man, my daughter could, you know, I could, could she see this by the time it gets out on the screen? And yeah. so it, it's still funny. It's still got some edge to it. It's just not raunchy. So I'm trying to bring back that uh, not wholesome, but kind of uh, gray area comedy. Yeah. Uh, and it's a sports-based comedy. It takes place in, in, in the United States here and then goes to Europe. And so I'm trying to combine, you know, it even ha- it even dips its toe into the soccer world because of the love interest uh, mm-hmm. uh, wife, you know, the love interest is wife. And so it gets, it gets, it's fun. It's it, hopefully it's, it, I don't get bogged down too much in Europe, but uh, it's. Uh, yeah. Maybe it'll be a smash hit in Europe first, right? One of those. Yeah. Things. I mean, I'm trying to combine. You can't, you can't really write a baseball. Sc- no, nah, I don't I'm not going to say that because I want to, you, you, it's hard to write a baseball script in 
in, in the United States and get it made yeah. uh, because it, that's about the only limited release you can get to it is the United States. And so, you know, people have always balked at, at making baseball movies. Uh, yeah. they, they tried with Mr. Baseball. I think the one remember with Tom, uh, Tom Selleck, Selleck yeah. he goes to Japan. They tried to combine that there a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see. You know, man, there's a million scripts out there. There's a million people telling me to send them to them. You know, what happens? Who knows? Right. Uh, but, I'm, but you know, I'm feeling good about it. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Do you think you would have the same, like, drive and and I hate using the word passion, but whatever, if you want to call it that, the, the same drive and the same love for writing a script that maybe it wasn't? baseball related you know maybe a like a romantic comedy or a crime story or a thriller or something like that do you think you'd still be excited to get up and write it every day or is this baseball thing been like what's driving you no you know i mean it's been a passion project obviously i mean i think mm-hmm. it's a unique a unique story that i can tell that you know and that's what everybody's out here is doing is telling their unique story right in, mm-hmm. in la especially in la and and so you know this is a different bend you know it's kind of got some yeah, i'm gonna go back with some obscure Richard Linklater, you know, before sunrise, before sunset, mm-hmm. uh, a la movies where it's a lot of talky, but it's kind of intellectual talky. So <clears throat> long story short, I'm actually working on a different script at the same time with a buddy of mine. Who's a director. It's about, uh, I can't say it's, it's about a time period piece, mm-hmm. uh, based on historical fact, uh, about Na- native Americans. And so, uh, it's 1838, you know, it's, it's, it's the trail of tears. And, and so I really am passionate about that. It, it took place in my backyard. I grew up in Tennessee. This takes place in East Tennessee. It takes place in North Georgia. It takes place in North West North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, it's a really interesting story. It's about a woman who has to go after her kids. So, uh, I, passionate about what happened to the native Americans, uh, and, and how the Americans treated them. And there's a, there's a, you know, a lot of, uh, I hate to use the word whitewash, but there's a, there was a story that we were told uh, growing up, and it's not the story that really happened. I mean, sure. it, maybe if you read a little bit deeper, you you would find out you know more facts. But man, it was crazy about what happened, and and, and really a shame about how we really treated the Native Americans, uh, especially the the, you know, the five tribes. It was the five civilized tribes back mm-hmm. then, and so mm-hmm. uh, focusing on all of them, but but the Cherokee in in, in general, they they lost twenty five percent of their their population having to march 800 miles, 800 wow. miles. And, and, and in the summer, the worst summer on record, followed by the worst winter on record. And oh, so wow. these guys started out on the trail, had to stop because it was so dry that people were dying because they were dehydrated. They moved them back to these uh, internment camps in, uh, in South Tennessee near Chattanooga. And they had to wait until the fall. And so they were waiting there in this place that had no sanitation, had uh, no place to go to the bathroom, uh, you know, there was, you know, outbreaks of sickness. It was just a crazy scene, dude. Crazy scene. So mm-hmm. the long story, <laughs> I mean, the short answer to your, your, your question is yes. I, I think pas- passionately, I, I've found writing to be, you know, my, my thing. Right. It's taken a long time. It's taken a long time for me to embrace that. Because uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was really taught to be sensible and, and grow up in the business world. So you would be, uh, I guess it would be uh, safe to say that even though 
you know, baseball was where you started, you know, as a kid growing up thinking I'm going to be a big leaguer, you know, getting your, you know, getting a, a good opportunity to, to play in college, to play overseas, play professional baseball. Uh, then you carry on through the rest of your life and, and you get into acting and writing. And of course, you know, your day job, which everybody, and I get it. A lot of guys listening right now are probably still trying to figure out how they can get rid of their day job, but at the same time, it's security and you don't want to. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, you still have your again, your foot in the door. You're still coaching, and it still comes, you know, it comes out, and it doesn't doesn't really, you know, leave you. Which is, uh, uh, you know, another good example of of why I'm doing this podcast because yeah. I think there are a lot of people there that, you know, they spend a lot of time with the job that makes them the money and puts the food on the table, and then they obviously have other other passions and other hobbies and other things like that. But something about this game, man. There's something about this game. I mean, we were talking the other day. Uh, now that we're back hooked up with uh, DraftKings and our, uh, <laughs> you know, our, our gambling addiction, yes. but uh, it's just so funny, man. It's like th- as soon as opening day hit, I was, I hadn't touched or looked at DraftKings since the world series. And right. then, here right. I am looking yeah. at it. And you know, what's great about it. <laughs> we, we always talk about, we should do a show just strictly on that, but I know there's yeah. a bunch yeah, of there's a thousand out there. There's yeah. a thousand fantasy podcasts out there and stuff. Right. So, you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff other than the right. fact that it's just so much fun it and is, it's, a, and it's just a great way to stay connected to the game, you know, and learn, you know, the rosters and yeah. see these yeah. guys and stuff. So yeah, get the rookies and you know exactly when they start to do well and you know exactly when they're starting to come up and and you know if they get on a hot streak like Bellinger, that guy, if he hits a home run, pick him up the next day because he's gonna hit a home run again. Uh, yeah. You know, he he's got that. But then also we saw the vulnerability in the World Series, man. If you throw him an inside curveball, he's done. That was crazy, uh, man. I could him and Seeger both, right? I mean, couldn't stand to watch that. I know, I know, I know. But you know what? There is, man. I, you know, going back to your your, your point, uh, I never felt as much joy as I've felt uh, standing on a mound. You know, mm-hmm. and that, and that just came from baseball day one. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I chose baseball over football and basketball. I mean, that was just the sport that yeah. brought me the most fulfillment. And I think that's that little kid that's always there. Uh, and and so and I love you, that you're you know kind of staying connected to it and, and and trying to bring all ages to it. Well, and when you go on the mound, even now uh, as a coach, when you're standing on there, like you said, working with that that little girl the other day, and seeing the light go off and seeing the joy they get out of it, it's yeah. just it just rushes back in your own life. You know, you start to think back about God. I remember when I was this age and standing on the mound for the yeah. first time, and you know, yeah. feeling the butterflies and. Then that, then that turns to confidence and then you, yeah, man. I mean, what, what, uh, I mean, you got any advice for, uh, these guys out here that are, that are still trying to, you know, maybe in the same situation as you, they're holding down that, that day job. And I, I kind of feel like, well, I'll let you talk. I mean, what, what would you say to someone that is um, a younger you? <laughs> yeah. That's a beautiful point. Uh, yeah, I have struggled for so long, man, uh, to define what it is I'm supposed to do. It. And I don't know that I'm supposed to doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm just doing it uh, at this mm-hmm. point. And so uh, I think what I've tried to do, uh, and I feel like that what's fallen through is, 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 and it's almost like cliche because you go back to that age old question, what would you do if you woke up and you didn't have to worry about what you had to do? Right. Uh, and, and for me, I found one photography, uh, which just kind of came out of nowhere and, yeah. but, but, but two writing, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think now that I've found that niche, you know, and, and I've, I've again, I've, I've, I've really, str- really struggled for a long time to find that out. What am I supposed to do? What am I here for? I mean, it's part of that's in that, in the script I'm writing. And it's one of the reasons I've probably wrote it for so long is because I've, I've struggled myself to kind of figure out what that is, you know, right. B- baseball was such a passion 
And, um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, and then you just kind of figure out what's the next passion. But, but, but to, to say to those guys, you can get out of your day job. You've got to go about it very strategically, but you've got to find that thing inside you that's passion that you're passionate about. You mean you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose waking up and doing people's taxes as, as every day <laughs> if you didn't oh have to? God. So you mean, if you, let's say, let's say your script was a hit and they paid you $10 million and you didn't have to work again. You wouldn't wake up and want to do numbers, crunch numbers. <laughs> I would do my mom's taxes only because, you know, God bless her. You know, she has trouble with it sometimes. So oh, that's uh, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I guess I get it. I, it's just hard. You gotta, you gotta find that one thing that do exactly what it is you want to do and, and you know, it'll, it'll work itself out. Yes. You got to get a day job or some kind of way to stabilize your income. But the, I think the more you chase after something that really speaks to you, the, the more the money will fall into place or the more the security will fall into place. If you can't stop thinking about it, just don't stop doing it. And I, right. I, I think about that every morning I wake up, I think about this, love the game, live the dream thing. And I think about the different ways that I can help uh, people, whether it's, you know, young coaches, young kids, young parents getting into the game and trying to get through all the noise that's on the internet and trying to teach parents that your kid's not going to get a scholarship or sign a pro contract today. Cause he's only eight. So just slow down. <laughs> then that goes into phase two. Now you're talking to the families with the high school kids that do yes. have some talent yeah. or the college kids that do, that do have some talent and their parents still again, are you know, well, you, you know, we need them to go first round, second rounds, like slow down. And phase three is, is, you know, the coaches out there, the guys like myself and like you that have stuck around this game for 20 plus years and and they're struggling with, do I become a full-time coach and quit my day job? Do I, you know, go from high school and try to get a college job? Do I go from college and try to get a pro job? Mm-hmm. Do I switch into the scouting world or should I become a general manager? I mean, all those things, most of them don't pay very well. And I think right. the, the older we get, it's just harder to do that. But if you're thinking about it every day, then yeah. keep keep going towards it. Like I was, yeah. Talking- and, you know, what kind of life do you need to live? I mean, do you, you know, yeah. let's be honest. Do you, do you, I mean, if you like to drive Range Rovers and, you know, live in three bedroom, two bedroom houses while, you know, you've got two people. Then college uh, coaching is not your job. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nor is minor league ball or, you know, right. so there's, you know, you got unrealistic goals going in. You can do whatever it is you want to do. It, and it t- trust me, man, I have, I have nickel and dime jack of all trades that for 25 years or 20, 18 years out here. And, and, and it's just, you know, keeping, keeping focus on the goal. I mean, and a lot of times I didn't have a goal out here other than just survival, but you can do, you can do it all. You just have to really, you know, yeah. uh, make a plan about it. And that's, I think that's what I would say to myself, make a, make a fucking plan because yeah. I, I, I ran in circles. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, as I think back a little bit, uh, you know, from zero to 25, I was just running, running stupid. You know, I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, it didn't matter. And now I've just been running scared the past 25 years, you know? And so yeah. I think it's all coming together. I think a lot of times when you see those guys are doing really well, and I think we know it, they're the guys who just don't give a shit anymore. And I think the older you get, the less you hold on to that, the more successful you'll be. Well, dude, this has been a blast. Yeah, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, that was um, great, man. Look, looking forward to, you know, getting through this and Part editing two. it and getting it out there. And we'll definitely do this again, man. Uh, All right, my man. Well, look, uh, appreciate it. Like I said, thanks for taking the time out and uh, good luck with all that stuff. Make sure you keep me in in, in the loop with the script and we'll be talking soon. Thanks. All right, bud. Take care. See you, man. Bye. 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 
Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there, subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody. So I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. Well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time. And once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care. (laughs) 